fuck up. Simon says, get the fuck up. Throw your hands in the sky. My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 185 of Cinefunks. Cinefunks. Sorry, that's my accent, dog. You know how it is. Yeah, I know. I mean, but, um, res- respect. Respect to the Philippines. The the beleaguered episode 185. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we, we watch. I don't know about you, but I watched these movies so long ago. And luckily, they're memorable movies, so I feel cool. Yeah. But it was like, it's, you know, hey, y'all. I'm not going to do the thing we always do where I just, you know, apologize. 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 Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I will say, in this case, part of the reason is that I got COVID. So that, that's going to be my early, early, early cue of my whack when it comes to whacking on track is the whole fam got COVID. <coughs> We've been trying hard to avoid it, but, you know, it happened. And while I didn't get that sick, I had that Paxlovid rebound again. Where you go on Paxlovid and you get better and then you're better for a week and then you get sick again. Now, again, I wasn't that sick, so I'm not trying to make it like, oh, I'm so blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't cool, really, to go back into quarantine, um, especially because it started to feel like I had just been absent from the world for like a month. Like, it feels like I just disappeared into my house for a month. Now, in this area, that's not that weird because... For a while there, it was like deadly cold out, you know, here. Like, I think for Chicago people, it's like, oh, it finally got to a normal temperature for winter. But like, I was getting used to it not being that wintry here. And then suddenly it was like negative 12 out. And I'm like, oh, right. It sucks. I forgot. I forgot that it sucks. That's the normal winter for Chicago, like negative 12. Oh, it gets really cold. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's well, like, what's the average? Like, what's your average high on like, oh, like, oh, this is a fine Chicago morn. High well, at 28. Like, what is it? No, no, no. I, I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. I'll have to look it up to let you know. I will say this. Today is 41 degrees, right? It's going to be the high. And everyone's saying it's unseasonably warm. They're like, oh, man, it's, it's getting unseasonably warm in this area. I mean, like, <coughs> I think, like, <laughs> below freezing is kind of for January a norm. And probably right. through most of February. And then March is when, on one hand, you do get some warmer days, but it might still snow. But I will say this. Last year, we didn't get much snow at all. It was a really chill winter. The winter before that, it snowed in May, which I've mentioned before. So that gives you, like, an idea of, like, and, and, you know, this past uh, Halloween, it snowed on Halloween, right? Yeah. (laughs) So I had to clear. Something's going on in my throat. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so it snowed this past Halloween, and a bunch of people from Chicago were like, oh, man, it's finally snowing on Halloween again. It feels like when I was a kid. And I was like, ugh, don't celebrate snow on, on Halloween. That's not, that's not my thing. I'm not yeah, stoked on that. that's like a little too early, man. Come on. What are we doing it's here? Nor- it's normal here, man. It's like the norm. Jeez. You know, so. it, Hard wa- style. You know, I watched, I don't think we got a chance to talk about it, but one of the things I watched recently that I really loved was the new season of Fargo. And, uh-huh. you know, that's set way north of, of you know, it's like, you know, North Dakota and, and, <coughs> and Minnesota and whatever. But on that show, that's set, uh, part of it's set around Halloween. And so you see all these kids walking around in these things and there's snow everywhere. There's like snow all over the ground and stuff. And I was like, oh, right. That's also a place where snow on Halloween is like you're supposed to see it and be like, oh, there's snow. It's probably around Halloween. And then when it is Halloween on the show, no one says like the exact date till they start talking about Halloween, you're just supposed to know like, oh, that makes sense. And I wonder how many people watching that show were like, 
why is there fucking snow if it's Halloween? It's like, yeah, this that's normal in Whoa. this, you know, granted, in this region, they're a little further north than us, but I think Chicago gets it, as we've said before, harder because of the lake. So I think if you're mm. further south in Illinois, it's a little less insane. But up here, that lake effect happened. That's a real thing. That's not just a name for hardcore bands from Erie, PA. Lake effect <laughs> is a thing that happens for real. So anyway, sorry to talk so much about the weather, guys. But uh, between the weather and COVID, I feel like I'm just kind of emerging from my cave and facing life <clears> for real. Right. Well, I'm glad that you're out of your cave. Yeah. I mean, I got a. I mean, the downside is I got a shower now regularly. So word. That's a thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to thank for this episode before we get started, Liam? For this stinky episode? Uh, of course, all the folks on Patreon. Um, for those of you who don't know. I started this experiment on Patreon where I'm doing a solo show. I'm just talking and uh, it's, it's, I don't know if it's going to continue to exist because it's very awkward, Josh. I don't actually like it, but um, I'm out of the practice of writing. Right. And I find talking a lot easier than writing. And so I thought, well, this, this would be a good way to like explore things and see, you know, sort of get things out. I'm getting positive feedback so far from people on Patreon about it, but nice. I don't know if it's going to continue. And the whole point of the experiment is that if it goes well enough on Patreon, then maybe I'll make it like a real show. But also, I don't know, like every episode has been different as to the sorts of things. Like when I say the sorts of things I'm topic, talking about, I don't mean topic wise. I mean like vibe, like the vibe of every episode has been different. Like I don't know what I'm doing, right? It's all yeah. just experimentation right now. So who knows if it's going to continue, but there's that me and Josh at some point are going to do a lunch with Liam. That'll be up there. And uh, for those of you who like that music thing I did with Adriana, the exchange, I'm supposed to do one with uh, Michael Veers over at the shameless picture show. Uh, we gave each other playlists to do an episode, but I haven't had time to do it because as I said, COVID. So uh, there's, there's stuff going up there. So thank you to all the people on Patreon. Go ahead, guys, check out Patreon. I promise there's probably something on there. You're going to like, that's that's my promise to you that probably there's something on there you're gonna like so check it out patreon.com backslash cinepunks we also have like these sponsors josh who's who's the first sponsor we want to we want to talk about funny you should mention liam we have a beautiful sponsor in the fine people at lvac the lehigh valley apparel creations uh our homeboy chris reject who i will never besmirch the good name of because i leave that to liam is (laughs) a wonderful human being and one of my favorite people in the world i mean that's and uh okay if you have any screen printing needs, I suggest you go to xlvacx.com and see what they can work out for you, man. They're like good people that are bad at math. So holler at them for, yeah. uh, say you have a, a, a gaming club that needs a logo t-shirt, or maybe you have a breakfast club that needs posters. I don't know what you need. Listen, man, I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying that that's what you need. The good people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations got, got you. I want to mention real quick, they also have a Patreon because... They're moving to a new building. They had a spot in uh, South Bethlehem, I think, or Fountain Hill area, somewhere around there. And uh, they don't own the building that they're in right now. They're renting. And I think the building is being sold eventually, whatever. So they needed to move. So rather than find another rental space, they bought a building, which is a big move, as I'm sure people know, a big move for any business. But then, you know renovating this building to work for their business you know which by the way when they move to this new building they'll expand so they'll be able to do a lot more of the good work they've been doing uh it costs money so they started a patreon and i gotta say if you like free shirts i mean they're not 
really free. It's like a benefit of supporting them. But if you think about it, if you're giving the money to support them to do what they need to do, then these shirts are just like an, you know, a welcome addition. A to cherry them. on the top. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I'd say check it out. Uh, the the Patreon. There, uh, I think it's just uh, LVAC Patreon dot com backslash lvc i'm not sure 100 percent, but if you search on patreon you'll be able to find them or there's links on like their social media and their website and stuff uh i supported them just i mean honestly because i love chris uh but i wanted to see them make this move and uh i've been pretty happy about it and they've had some awesome updates and they've actually started the move like they are starting to physically move over and it's pretty cool man i'm i'm, I'm excited about it so check it out uh we also want to thank of course our friends over at exus EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. Um, if you like coffee, check them out. They do uh, roasting to order. They have amazing varieties of beans. I've, I'm on their subscription plan, Josh. Mm. And they've been sending some new stuff to me. I don't know if that's, I don't know if like Aaron thinks like, okay, I'm going to hook up Liam or if it's just random. I don't know. But I've been getting some new stuff from them and it's been a fun variety of things. Uh, I, I, that's one of the things to keep in mind. I've had a few people mention like, you know, that, that they got one thing and it wasn't their favorite or whatever. Remember, guys, there's a variety of options. The, the whole point is that different, uh, not just blends, but even different locations from which, uh, uh, you know, one location coffee is coming. They're all going to be a little bit different. So uh, try out some different stuff. They also have tea and merch there. And if you contact them and want help knowing how to prepare your coffee, they're going to help you out with that, too. So as it's coffeeroasters.com. As you're checking out, put in the code CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. You're going to get 10% off your order, which is kind of like, just do that. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're only going to do it one time, do it, man. Come on, get that 10%. We'd, <laughs> we'd appreciate it. Uh, and, of course, this episode was made uh, sounding awesome by our friend Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. Check him out. Uh, and, really, we just do that to say thank you. He doesn't really need us to promote what he's doing. It's just we, we want to make sure everyone knows that every episode – the only reason it's, you know, uh, listenable. Worth listening to. Yeah, is him. He does all this work, and we we can't stop thanking him for that. Um, I also want to mention, we haven't done anything new for a while because Justin's a bit stressed at the moment, but soon we will have new stuff over at roughcutfanclub.com. I will say I got out all the orders for the, uh, the Vengeance. Yeah, the Vengeance yeah, double. Boy. Those are all in the mail, so that means the extras from that will be online soon, and people were asking about that. So uh, uh, keep an eye out for that if you're looking for one of those. Um, they might even the be sweat up by the pants. I didn't out. know that you guys had sweatpants. I'm going to put that out there. What do you mean? We didn't. Well, we didn't do sweatpants for that order. No, but I'm just saying there were sweatpants on. I was looking at the rough cut oh, yeah. website. You don't, like, you don't remember? We did a whole. We did a whole uh, 36 chambers sweatsuit. Ah, so one good. whole sweatsuit. You didn't get one. I would have. No. If I had realized, I would have sent you one. I, I, and we only have the larger sizes left for the sweatpants. So I apologize for that. But that's just because they sold uh, some of the stuff on the website. People will be like, "Why do you only have this or whatever?" Sometimes what happened was we actually over ordered the extras. So like when we first put it up, it was a more balanced variety, but it's not sold out because I ordered too much. So what happened with those sweatpants is I didn't realize that. For most people, XL is a good enough size for sweatpants. So I ordered mm. a shit ton of 2XL. And not a lot of people wear 2XL sweatpants, actually. I don't even wear 2XL sweatpants. So, like, I got a lot of leftover 2XL. That's not, you know, sorry we don't have any smalls left. But we did that that design, like, <laughs> three years ago at this point. Yeah. And these sweatpants have just been sitting at my house. So <laughs> if you do wear 2XL sweatpants, please buy these fucking sweatpants for me. Because I want to I have more room for more other stuff in the basement. So right. anyway. That's everything, Josh. 
we're all thank you'd up. What do we got to do right now? Um, we got to do something now. Yeah. That we've done a billion times before. Yeah, it's really whack it on track. Whack it on track. Oh God, that was insane. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I really wanted to like make it a surprise that time. So whack it on track. <laughs> I like that you yeah. got one. In. You got one into yeah, yeah. I did. I did. So what's up, Liam? What have you done recently that is whack? What have you done recently that is on track? It's funny because my feeling was having had the COVID that I was like, yo, I'm not going to have shit to talk about. But the reality is we recorded so fucking long ago that a lot of stuff actually has happened since we last recorded that I could talk True. about. And it's even hard, honestly, <coughs> to like choose like, okay, what's, you know, of all this stuff that went down since we last recorded, what's really worth highlighting? What do I need to like focus on? Whatever, whatever. I will say when it comes to like going to things, I haven't gone to that much stuff. And mm. that's just a reality of, not just being sick, but also being busy. So, like, it was like I was really, you know, had a lot of stuff going on with family. And, like, Maeve was off school for two weeks, which was pretty significant. Yeah, that's and, a lot of time. Yeah, and then we got sick. And then I was getting ready for her birthday party. Luckily, her birthday party happened right between my rebound. It was like I got healthy for a week, and I spent that whole week getting ready for her birthday party. We had the birthday party. I had one day after the birthday party, I felt okay. And then that Monday after the Saturday birthday party, I got sick again. And it was like, Jesus. okay, well, I really just got this one window to make her birthday fun. And then I had to go back into quarantine. <laughs> Brutal. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little rough. So, all, you know, that's kind of whack. On track. Um, I'm going to focus on movies. I forgot to write down any of the music. There's been a lot of, like, smaller releases out recently that I thought were pretty good. But I, I didn't. I forgot to write any of them down, Josh. So I don't. It's okay, that. Liam. It's okay. Good to go. I listen um, to them when you send them to me, though. I will say that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I will say I got to catch American Fiction, which I don't think I talked about uh, here. Right. So good. You really liked it. I gotta say, I really liked it too. I understand. I think there's some folks f- who went into the movie right, expecting a lot more satire than they got. Right. So I think there's a little pushback from people who are like. I don't know. It's more of a fan. It's got more family stuff going on. Personally, I think the family stuff also functions as satire in its own way because that's where the intercommunity conversation happens, right? He spends. So uh, let me back up and let people know. For those of you who don't know what American fiction is about, um, oh, what's his name? What's the Jeffrey actor? Wright? Yeah, man. Jeffrey Wright Big plays. Fan. He plays an author, black author who grew up relatively privileged. And he's from a family of doctors, but he's the only PhD. They're all his his father and his brother and sister are both medical doctors. He's the only one who went into academia. And I think in a way he takes that really seriously, partly because he feels a little inferior to them because they're doctor doctors and they make a ton of money. And he's just, you know, a professor. So he's taking this very seriously. And he's also a novelist. And his novels have not really shaken the world up, right? They do okay. But he's not famous or anything. And so uh, he's in this position where (coughs) his mom is dealing with dementia and they have to put her in a home and it's going to be really expensive. And he's feeling really frustrated because a bunch of, uh, uh, well, a novel has come out that he thinks is stupid. He hasn't read it, but from afar, he thinks is stupid and really capitalizing on stereotypes of african-americans right and uh the the author of that book played by Issa ray is sort of out there in the world right now this might sound kind of 
old school to folks. And I think that is one of the critiques that kind of holds up, Josh, is that this is uh, based on a book that was written in like 2000, right? And the person who wrote this book was thinking about, so I forget the name of the book, but the movie, you know, that movie like Precious based on a novel by Sapphire, that book is what inspired this book. And um, if you love that book and you're like, wait, he's dunking on that book. In the movie, it's pretty clear that while the appetite people have for this book is maybe fucked up because white people like black suffering in the movie, it's pretty clear that the author is not the, that, the you villain. know, the, the villain, the way that like he thinks she is from afar. So like, don't, if, if don't be, don't be worried about it, but the movie is not just about his, what he decides to do, which is he writes a fake book because he's drunk and he's angry and he's frustrated. And then when the fake book takes off, he doesn't, ruin the illusion because he needs the money right and that's sort of the premise but it's so much more about his life it's not about the joke of i wrote this book and it's not who i am right by the way the book is called my pathology pathology yeah yeah, yeah. with the f oh my god and then he changes it to fuck you because he's hoping that this whole thing will go away and it does not go away that doesn't do anything so good or it's not even fuck you it's just fuck it's just fuck yeah Yeah, yeah, it's so good so anyways, uh, I thought it was great, too. I think I also went in thinking it was going to be a little bit more, I don't know. More Boots Riley than it was? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's exactly what it is. It, I thought it was going to be a little more Boots Riley, and it's more personal. It's more emotional. Uh, but it's no less good for that. I think it's really great. I will yeah. say, um, what's the name of the actor in it who was on? Um, Sterling K. Brown? Yeah, Sterling K. Brown. A lot of people losing their minds over his performance. I don't think that's, I think that's it's an overreaction. Not that he's bad, but it's like, just because Sterling K. Brown is loud in the movie, I really think Jeffrey Wright and uh, the woman who plays his sister, whose name I always forget, who's on uh, Blackish. What is her name? Uh, I can't remember her name. I think their performances are so much more nuanced and interesting. Even the woman who becomes his love interest. All those performances, to me, take a lot more, whereas... I don't think Sterling K. Brown, not that the role is bad, but it's like he's just memorable in the movie because he has so many sort of like wild things going on. But, but I don't he's think also it's like, just so charismatic yeah. that when he plays this conflicted gay black man, it really is speaking to a deeper nuance of what that perception is, I think. I don't know. I, I, I can't comment on it. I will say, I don't think everyone is pleased about his performance, Josh. I get uh, it. I mean, but. for example, my man Bowen Yang, who weirdly got rid of his letterbox. But before he did, <laughs> his only review of the movie was, uh, now I know that I don't need every straight man to play gay. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's not a great review. I mean, granted, he still gave it four stars. But still, still. Um, right. For me, I like the performance, but I do think it's weird that it's getting more attention than the other performances in the movie, which I think I'm still of the mindset that like an over the top performance is great, but sometimes subtle is way harder and way more interesting. And I think this is like, this is a good reminder that Jeffrey Wright should have been a fucking leading man for the last 20 years. And the fact that Jeffrey Wright's incredible. I think he's so good. And I think he's amazing in this movie, but you know, he hasn't had a leading role for at least a decade. And it's like, why? Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, he's so I mean, the closest good. we got was the Wes Anderson movies, was right. um, the French Dispatch. And um, he's he doesn't really have a big part in Asteroid City, but 
I liked him a lot in the French yeah. Dispatch. I just think he he has the charisma to be a leading man, and I just think people need to give him more roles because he's amazing in this. Anyways, I don't want to go on and on about American fiction, but I did really like it. I'm glad that you recommended it to me because, I, I mean, I probably would have made an effort to see it anyway, but I think your endorsement kind of pushed me to like go out of my way to see it. Uh, I also saw Rotting in the Sun. Did you see this? I did not. What is that? Uh, it's the uh, person who did... Uh, what is the name of that movie? The Michael Sarah drug movie, the something crystal something. Do you, did you ever see that movie? Oh, uh, the one with um, what's her name with the brown hair? Yes, 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 yes. We're we're we are. I swear, actual fans of film, but I just don't remember what this movie's called. And he also did the movie that movie Tyrone or oh yeah, yeah. Tyrone where with the, the where John the guy, C. Riley and uh, yeah 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 versus yeah, yeah. um, Tomei. <clears throat> Wait, is Mercer Tomei? No, 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 it's no, not. no, no. That's no. a movie called Cyrus. That's the same <clears throat> thing. But Tyrone's the movie where the African American guy goes with his college friend to this oh, weekend with shit. all these people. No, wrong movie. Sorry. Yeah, and and it's called Tyrone because all weekend these white guys keep calling him Tyrone, even though his actual name is Tyrell. And Oof. it's it's such a tense. It's very well done. So, Riding in the Sun is like a fake biography movie in that he plays himself in the movie, but it's not him, you know? And uh, it's very fun. It's a very fun uh, movie. I got to say uh, it's dark though. It's a very dark comedy. So if you're not up for a movie that is kind of based on someone dying by mistake and then the humor around that, then I don't uh, know that you're going to want to watch it. But for me, I fucking loved it. I thought it was really great. Uh, Saw Priscilla. That sucked. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Priscilla wasn't very good. The performances were, were not the problem, but I just thought the movie overall was just kind of like missing the mark to me. Um, yeah. It just again speaks to my greater dislike of Sofia Coppola, but whatever. Uh, yeah, we've talked about that. We've talked about that. Uh, I was kind of surprised by Rye Lane. Saw Rye Lane. Uh, it's a basic romantic comedy, British romantic comedy, but. It like nailed that in a way that I think a lot of romantic comedies don't manage to be both cute and funny. You know, they got to be either one or the other, you know? Yeah. And this is one of the few ones that like I was feeling the romantic aspect of the movie, but it was still funny. Uh, yeah. And it's it's in London and it does a lot of work showing you parts of that city that maybe you haven't seen in a movie before. Mm. I think. Some people are a little tired or not as stoked on the movie because there's a lot of fisheye lens in the movie. And I think people were a little put out by that. Who but for like me, <clears throat> it's a lot. It is a lot in the movie. But okay. I also am so used to skate videos that I didn't notice at first. <laughs> so it is what it is. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. Again, if you're someone who likes romantic comedies, I think it's worth checking out. And then uh, I'm looking at my diary on Letterboxd. A lot of kids' movies on here. I've been watching a lot of movies with my daughter. Nothing that really is worth hyping up too hard. But one day, she decided we should watch this anime. And most people listening to this are not going to be stoked on this. It's a movie called Words Bubble Up Like Soda Pop. And it's very much like a cute teen love anime. Like, nothing dramatic happens. It's just two teenagers having crushes on each other and being too awkward to talk to each other about their crushes, right? That's it. But for me, who finds cuteness sometimes overwhelming, right? I've talked about this before that uh -huh. some things are so fucking cute that they feel make that me feel they make me feel more awkward than like exploitation movies, right? Because it's just like, right. oh my god, what the fuck? That is this. I've never seen an anime. 
because oftentimes anime are cute in like a really like kawaii cutesy like ooh here's a cute little puppy way you know or whatever the fuck this is much more like i identify with how awkward these teenagers are even though i became less awkward actually in high school in like my life before high school like if this was like freshman year of high school i was as if not more awkward than these teens and so like watching it i just felt that really hard and it's the first thing aimed more at an older audience that i've watched with mave and she liked a lot of times things that are more for like tweens or teens she just finds it boring she's like not into it and she fucking loved this man she was sold on it it also made her squirm there were a couple times where she covered her head with a blanket because it was so awkward but that didn't make her not want to watch it made her that much more invested and ultimately it's really beautiful animation so like if you're someone who wants awkward teen story and some of the most beautiful animation i've seen in the last few years yo check it out i think it's really i think it's really really good uh, if you're someone who me saying awkward teen anime makes you think that's the worst shit ever, this is not gonna. This is Maybe this skip. is yeah. This is the ultimate. This is the ultimate of that, right? So uh, avo- avoid. But I really liked it, and it's got me excited to watch more anime with her. That is not like because uh, ch- so far we've only watched uh, Studio Ghibli films, which is great. No, no right. hate on that at all. But that's the only anime she's sort of been exposed to except for a couple of tv shows here and there so maybe i'll try to find some more like cute stuff to watch with her and hopefully it'll be good and i'll like it too but you know you never know i might hate it who knows anyways what's going on with you buddy man so much i mean so uh since the last time we had spoken there has been a lot of stuff going on in the great city of philadelphia a um, couple things I want to highlight. We had the tattoo convention, the Villain Arts Tattoo Convention two weeks ago, <coughs> or a week ago. And uh, as I work in the tattoo removal industry, I was there for the entire weekend. And let me tell you, man, it was a lot, Liam. Like, your boy was on. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what we were supposed to do was we were supposed to be zapping tatties all weekend. And um, on setup day which is like, you know, the, the, the convention goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I, I had to be there Thursday for setup and all that stuff. And here's the thing, Liam. Since Beamer stopped doing Shirts for a Cure at New York Comic Con, I have not done a convention that wasn't a tattoo convention. But prior to that, I love conventions. I don't know if that's a thing that listeners know on good old Cinepunks, but I love a convention in particular. I really love working conventions. And I love goofing off at conventions. Because I don't know if you know, Liam, one of my favorite things in this world is fun. I yes, love fun. I'm well aware of and, and you have a general geekiness. So while there probably are conventions that are outside your vibe, most conventions you're going to see at least one or two things that you like, as well as obviously one or two things to make fun of. And the combo of the combo of both, I think, is right up your... If you can go somewhere and both geek out and make fun of people, that's like... I mean, not to their faces, obviously, but like see no. things and be like, oh, that's silly or that's fun. Yeah. That's like the best combination ever. And my favorite thing, as you know, because we vended before together, is I love stacking the deck with homies from other parts of my life and then just having them sit behind a table with me at a convention setting and just wiling out. So, but the other part is that I've learned a lot of tricks, Liam. I've learned a lot of tricks working New York Comic Con. Like just how to sneak all of the things in there that make like bad kids like thrilled. 
right? So like, uh, I get to use those tricks for these conventions now. And tattoo conventions, the only thing I got. That's it. I got nothing left right now, you know, which is fine. I'm not mad at it. I'm just happy to still be in the game in some capacity. So whatever. But um, yeah, man, this tattoo convention was off the chains because like our laser broke. So we weren't able to um, to like do the work that we were hoping to do, which was we we're trying to laser as many people <coughs> this weekend as possible. But then the end result was that the powers that be were like, well, we just need you to engage people then. So you got to walk around this convention floor and talk to all the tattooers at this convention, which is like, yo, dog, you're just asking me to have fun at this point. So I did. Yeah. So me and like a bunch of coworkers, we just took to the floors and we we're just like talking to all the convention people. And I love it. I really do. I took a picture with a wolf. There was a wolf there and they were taking pictures. So I took one and then, um, there was a dude who I had met at the uh, tattoo convention last year and I had purchased a belt from him because I was in need of a belt and he was sending hand tooled. He was selling hand tooled like leather goods, you know? And uh, I don't know if you know, Liam, since I've been on the Wagovi and all this other stuff, I've lost weight. And so that very belt that I had purchased from this gentleman, I had to bring back to him because he was back at this convention and I had to get more holes put in it. So and when I walked up on the dude, I was like, hey, man. He's like, oh, shit, Josh, which is funny because I only met him at the other convention. So I don't know this dude. And that he remembered my name is pretty good. But he was like, you're looking good, man. And I was like, dude, I brought my belt back. I need to put more holes in it. And he's like, holy shit, this is awesome. So he took the belt and he shaved it down and put extra holes in it. And then I was like, yo, how much, Doug? And he was just like, don't even worry about it. Just a job well done. I was like, what? Thank you, man. So then I bought a wallet because I didn't want to feel like I was just taking advantage of the dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it was just this kind of story at these kinds of conventions. You know what I mean? Like a bunch of people who I only see at this convention are there, plus a bunch of people that are like old friends from other parts of uh, the country that are in town just to work the Philadelphia convention. It's good to see them again. So it just feels like an entire like pseudo homecoming, if you will. Sure. And it was just really, really fun. But the other funny part is that even though I was working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I did have things to do that required me leaving early on Friday and Saturday. So Friday night was our annual mail banquet, which um, I don't know if people know, but I belong to a group of, uh, of breakfasters that we meet every other Sunday. And um, it's the one time that we, we congregate without our wives and our children, and we just drink coffee and eat eggs and talk shit. And then once a year, we do a thing called male banquet where we like gather up and, you know, we bring the families and we have a dinner. So we did that at the pub this year and it was awesome. We asked for a reservation oh, for 18. Love the pub. Love the pub. Dude, reservation for 18. They're like, no problem. And then they're like, do you need a name? And, and we asked if they wanted a name and they said no. So we just made a reservation for 18 without giving a name and the, the table was ready. So that was a good time. And then, um, that was Friday night. And then Saturday night, I had to leave the convention early. Now, okay, peep this. We have our booth, right? We're sitting there. We're getting ready to like talk to tattooers and, and tattooees about removing their tattoos that they don't want. And the booth behind us was a gentleman from Gary, Indiana. And him and his team were selling like hand-painted uh, like tattoo signs. You know what I mean? Like just the kind of signs that you see inside tattoo shops and stuff like this. Yeah. So on setup day, my man was wearing a home front shirt. And uh, I'm talking like this dude's like um, he's he's an older gentleman, like white hair and all this stuff. But he had a home front shirt on. And I was like, dude, you know, they're playing on Saturday. 
And he was like, I got a ticket. They're my friends, but I don't know where the show is. And I was like, I got you, dog. So then Saturday night, he and I had left the convention at 8 o'clock, and uh, we went to the church to see Homefront. Fun. And it was <clears throat> fucking amazing. Yeah. That was so much so fun, good. dude. Did you see any dude, of the other bands on the on the on the bill? I only managed to get there to see Breton Arme, which I also love. But um I also love the Slads who opened and Physique was playing too, right? That was the other band that got added. Oh, I thought Quarantine was on the show. Oh no, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarantine. And they were awesome. But uh I only caught like a couple songs. And uh it was just a really, really fun gig, but like everybody was there. Now, I know Liam and I have seen Homefront together. Uh, at least one time at Photo Club. And you've seen them one time before that too, Liam? In Gary, Indiana. There you go. That was their first show outside uh, of Canada. I don't know if that's true. It was their first tour, but I think they had played one-offs in like New York and stuff. Ah. But that was well, their anyway. tour. They started their tour with Poison Ruin in Gary. And he made a little comment about like, we finally made it. We're playing in Gary. Thank God. And I was like... dude. It, what's funny about Gary is no one was offended. They all got it. Like, yeah, it's not exactly normal to start a tour here, but I think it was just they they were playing in Chicago at a big like outdoor thing the next day, so they couldn't get a show in Chicago the night before. It would have been like a conflict, so it made sense for them to play in Gary, which is close enough that a bunch of Chicago people went to Gary to see them. I get it. Dude, what are like the cultural makeups of these shows when when you've seen them well okay <clears throat> when we saw not them, just ethnicity i'm talking about like the no, people no, no. See, scene stuff yeah yeah, yeah yeah when when we saw them i'd say and you tell me if i'm wrong more of a punk audience than not right like yes. there were a few there were a few normies there uh well maybe not normies but let's say mall level goths there uh, which uh-huh. wasn't wasn't a big surprise. There were uh, a couple of like uh, people we know more from like hardcore than anything else, but mostly the crowd was like the sort of punk folks that you would expect to see at a photo club show. When right. I saw them in Gary, I think the crowd was really mixed, partly because of Poison Ruin. You know, Poison uh-huh. Ruin has like been played on NPR and shit. Like it's weird. Like. I think that because I know the people, some of the people in that band, and because I know that Relapse puts out weird shit, I still think of Poison Ruin as like a, you know. Dangly earring punk band? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because like they're definitely punk, but they do work in other weird shit. Uh, But at the show in Gary, there were a lot of aging metalheads, right? Mm. The kind of dudes that if they had uh like a polo and nice chinos on you could see working a real job but they had cargo shorts and a metal t-shirt on so you're like okay this this is like a a metal guy who's like getting older there were a bunch of skins there because also on the show was lost legion from chicago which is an oi band that's getting Mm. more popular uh and so they brought out a bunch of skins including some of the uh conservative military image gentlemen were there uh, mm. There were some younger punks, but less than you would think, you know, uh, uh-huh. and there were a chunk, I say a chunk, maybe like five or six total normies there who were really there for Poison Ruin because they had heard Poison Ruin on fucking NPR. Like one dude straight up told me 
his dad brought him because his dad was like, oh, I heard this ripping band that kind of mixes in middle uh, uh, middle ages shit into their music. And he played it for his son. So the dad's like 50 some hearing this shit on, on NPR, played it for his kid who's who likes punk, but more in like a like an accessible mainstream punk way and heard poison room was like, fuck, this is cool. And so he brought a couple of his friends and his dad and they went to the show together and they're all wearing like normal rock shirts, you know, like they had not been at this kind of show before. Uh, and so I started talking to this dude. He's a nice guy. And it was before Homefront came on. Cause they played before poison ruin. And he's like, what is this band? What should I expect? And I'm like, Oh man, it's great. This is so great. And so I like, I, I broke it down for him, whatever, whatever. But like, uh, what what I did not see at the show that I went to was many hardcore kids. There wasn't a lot yeah. of wasn't a lot of, of corpsmen at the show. There was really one corpsman who was dressed very much like a normal dude who I only knew he was a corpsman because that song I forget the name of the song, but you know the homefront song that's about like someone close to you dying and you move you have to move on. Overtime, yeah. Overtime. The guy they wrote that song for was there. That's about his dad dying. Whoa. He was at the fucking show and he looked like the most normal dude in the world. But when they played that song, man, you would have thought you were at an American Nightmare show because he was Jesus. not just singing along. He was like swinging on the crowd. He was jumping on people. He was literally doing that thing. You know, the guy at the American Nightmare show who doesn't dance hard, but he still wants to like make an impression on you. That's what this guy yeah. was doing. And I was like, Oh, that's the only Corman really probably at the show, which he probably wasn't the only one, but he was the only one that I knew was like, had been to hardcore shows. Cause the, his vibe was like, okay, you've seen some youth crew slash American nightmare ripoff bands. And you're doing that, which like nobody was mad at even like the more older. Cause there were some older skin dudes there. They didn't mind. They just were excited uh, that he was excited. Right. It was just like, yeah. cool. That's fun. That guy's into it. <laughs> Songs about his dad makes sense. And then, uh, and then, like I said, the rest of it was just sort of whatever, you know? Well, I will say that this crowd was like strictly divided <laughs> and it was like a lot of leather spiky punks sure, and like sure. skin. And then there was like a bunch of normie norms and uh, which again, not mad at, but the look of terror on their faces as they herded into the basement of the church was really funny. And it was like one of those things where like, has Home for the Front most been, part been hyped on anything where all these normies know about the band? I have no idea. Because no normies were there for any of the skin bands or punk bands that were playing. They only you know came I mean? in for Homefront. And, like, it was weird, man, because it was, like, one of, like, okay, okay, okay. So, like, the majority of the, like, imagine what a Homefront show at the church is like in 2024. It's all of, like, our elder West Philly punks coming out. Mostly and, like, older that are people. now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like parents and stuff, which is cool. Like I saw a bunch of friends that are in my age group, you know, whatever, like that I grew up going to shows with. And it was fun, right? It was cool. I got to chill out with Dan Gross. I, and I, like, know, I know there were some like 30-something hardcore dudes there because I saw clips on Instagram, but it wasn't like a lot. Like three or four people I know were there. Yeah. Uh, but all their clips were from the back of the room. So they were clearly not like up front trying to get in the mix, you know? Right, exactly that. Like it was a bunch of like the elder people in the back that are like us standing with like a bunch of normies. And then like it's just funny because then it was all like leather punks, right? And like um there's a bunch of young people there, which respect, you know what I mean? Yeah, like totally, that's awesome. Totally, totally, yeah. Like Paige was there and my heart filled with such joy when I saw her because Oh yeah, you guys I, said, she sent me that picture. I was so happy to see y'all hanging out. It was so funny because she was at the tattoo convention and she came by our booth and I was like out, you know, walking around doing the thing. And uh, so she was like, I went to the booth and I didn't see you there, but I didn't think I'd see you here. And here you are. And I was like, hell yeah. It's so happy to see you. Like, I feel like 
I don't know if Paige listens, but I will say I feel a moment of pride knowing that Paige is like at least at the very least cultivating a respectable musical taste part partly in due to our influence. Yeah. So she's, she still listens to the podcast, you know, and she was very excited to actually get to hang out with you uh, because I remember she was at that thing you played uh, out in, in Manny Young, Manny right? Young. The Home Fest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she just, you, you were so doing your thing that she didn't want to like interrupt or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a shame. You should have hung out with Josh. So she was just stoked to get to like actually hang out with you. And she had awesome. a lot of fun at the show. And she brought some friends that were like, not so like going to shows all the time types, you know? So I like, I like that. She's also trying to get people into going to stuff, you know, super fun. And so, okay. The funny thing is, um, our friend Ralph was like, Oh, I can't go to home front. It's the one day in January that I have booked and it's for a wedding. Who the fuck Shit. gets married in yeah, January? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, don't worry about it, Ralph. Don't worry. I'll buy whatever you need. And he's like, just buy me VLP. I was like, yeah, no problem. So Homefront go on, they play one song, and then Ralph comes barreling in from the back of the church, and he's like, I made it, I made it. <laughs> we're like, me and Melody were cheering. We're just like, yeah. And he was like dressed up in his wedding gear, and him and his wife Jenna were there, and she was like in a in a gown. You know, it was really funny. And so like we watched Homefront with Ralph, and um, Justin Gray was there, like all the homies were there. And then at the end of the set, right, they start on uh, overtime, or no? They start on uh, nation, and I just hear Ralph go, "Josh, I'm going up front." I was like, "What? Like we're all? What are you?" Do? And then so I just see Ralph like barreling through the crowd, like past all again. Is the crowd is split, right, Liam? So like all like the the dusty punks are in the front, like jumping around and all that, and all these like normie norms are standing around. Next thing I know, I see Ralph just barreling through a wall of like people dressed like J Crew models. Right, right. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm not letting Ralph go up there on his. So then I chased him and I jumped on his back. And the next thing I know, me and Ralph are in this mosh pit with all these other guys. And like, we're just going crazy, singing along, having a great time. And it felt amazing, Liam. It felt so yeah, much fun. Yeah. And then, as if that wasn't enough, dude, they finish Nation. And then Graham is like, you guys like Blitz? And then they go into New Age. Perfect. Perfect. Oh my God. It was like the perfect confluence of everything that I love about shows, about music and about punk. It was the best. Like, dude, that song is so perfect. And it's like on that collection of B sides and rarities. So I haven't really like, I only know it from there, but man, what a tune. And they just played that shit and people went crazy, crazy. You understand Liam? It was so much fun. Like, it felt like when I saw Against Me the first time there when they put out uh, Eternal Cowboy. Like, that's what it felt like, just a sea of people going nuts all to see, all together. I love that. That's great. So much fun. So, yeah. So, that was Tattoo Con Weekend, which was really fun. And then I saw a movie called Drive Away Dolls. Do you know about this movie? I've heard great things. I have not seen it yet. So, it is the new Ethan Cohen movie. Um, yeah. It's about a... Uh, there are two roommates of uh, these two like young lesbian ladies and one is more promiscuous than the other. Who's a little more uptight. And then they have to go on like a road trip to Florida and they end up like getting a car. They call it a drive away where, um, you know, go, you go to a service and you, you're like, cause this takes place in the nineties and it's like, 
oh, well, you know, we got to transport this car to Florida. So you go to the service person and like you ask them for a car that needs to be transported somewhere where you're going. And then they rent you a car that you then just drive to wherever and leave it there. So that's what the premise of the story is. But then you find out that there's like stuff in the car from these gangsters, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like there's a whole thing to it. And it's pretty interesting. But it's funny because it's like. First of all, it's an Ethan Cohen movie. It's not a Cohen Brothers movie. Right. Second of all, it feels very Diablo Cody. It's very glib. Oh, okay. In as much as like the talking is very fast and snarky. And sure, uh, sure. there's a lot of cutaways. There's like just it's just a lot. It's a very uh decoupage kind of feeling to this movie. Okay. And uh I'm gonna say it. I don't know if I'm into the glib talking anymore. Oh, okay. I don't know huh. if it's the thing that made the Big Lebowski what it made the Big Lebowski for me, or if I'm just over it. But um, this movie is very fast paced, but it's All also right. very conversational. And um, for some reason, it just felt very uh, stilted to me in a way that I didn't appreciate the way I've appreciated other movies of this nature. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm I, trying. I'm s- I've been grappling with it, and I've been thinking about it. It's like, well. I mean, it really does have a, a lot of the elements of a movie, like a road trip movie that I enjoy. Because at, at, at its core, that's what it is. It's a road trip movie. But for some reason, I don't know. It just didn't feel like um, just whimsically coherent to me. Okay. All right. Huh. I still want to check it out, but I'll, I'll yeah, check it out still. I mean, my, it's definitely worth uh, watching. It looks really good. Adriana just posted in, in the chat today that. Uh-huh. Oh, excuse me. Uh, that if you order tickets in advance from AMC, you get a little poster, free poster with your tickets. Nice. So FYI well, for go. people who really want to see it. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'm stoked on it, but I could see where maybe the dialogue style is, you know, going to be weird or whatever. And that's, that's not a surprise, but we'll see. What's what funny is that Miley Cyrus is in it and uncredited. Very weird. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Good, okay. Good, 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 I mean, good whatever, but it's just a weird thing is all, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've done lately. That is on track mostly. And then okay. whack is just general illness and whatever. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. I guess we never said what we're talking about this episode. Hey, we're, oh, yeah. doing, we're doing a Godzilla double, uh, partly inspired by Godzilla minus one, which we both really liked and has, you know, as of recently broken all these records. I think it's like the number three movie this year or something like that, like uh, uh, money wise or or what did I see? No, no, no. It's the number three movie foreign film of all time. Uh, wow. Uh, revenue wise in the US uh, competing with, uh, of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and something else. I forget what the what the number two is, but um, that's pretty good for for a 15 million dollar Godzilla movie. It's crazy. So we decided to watch some Godzilla movies because we realized, though, we both have a lot of affection for Godzilla. There's a lot of Godzilla movies we haven't seen. So True. we're jumping into two. We're doing Godzilla versus Hedorah and Godzilla versus Destroya. <laughs> Super fun times. After the break, we're going to get into it with everyone's favorite big lizard. <laughs> we'll be right back.
Discussing two Godzilla Johns. We're talking about Godzilla versus Hidora and Godzilla versus Destroyer. So yeah, I hadn't seen these movies before we started. Before you told me that this is what we're watching. Yeah, I mean, we so like we had a general idea together to do Godzilla, and then you were like, "Go ahead and pick whatever. See, see what you want to do." <laughs> so I picked uh, Godzilla versus Hidora because. I thought I had seen it, and then when I was looking at the thing, I'm like, oh, no, I know what this is about, but I've never actually seen it, so I will pick this one. And then uh, we were originally just going to do one, and I was talking to a friend who was like, you know, one of my favorites is Godzilla versus Destroya, or any of those sort of, uh, uh, I guess most of them were in the 80s, somewhere in the 90s, but that sort of yeah. era of later Godzilla stuff. He's like, a lot of those are underrated. They're really great. So I thought, well, Destroya is the one that seems to have some of the <coughs> highest ratings on letterbox. So let's at least check that one out. Uh, so I just added it on so that we had both those. And I'm kind of really happy I did. Cause even though they're very similar in the idea that they're both Godzilla versus something else movies, um, they are from two different eras and have very different vibes uh, and very Agreed. different um, things going on. Uh, frustratingly, I, when I did research on this movie, I found out that this was one of the last ones of this series. And mm. that even though it was kind of hyped up as like the big finale of this era of Godzilla, uh, Godzilla versus Destroya, that they did not give this guy a lot of budget. And there are, there are scenes in the movie that are like, not supposed to be the permanent scene, you know, like, yeah, there are things like in the, the movie that they, they, it was like, it was, they were like, uh, 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 holders for what they were going to end up doing in post. And then they didn't have any money to do anything in post. Cause they cut the budget so short. So that's frustrating. Cause I think there's a lot of potential there, but we'll get to that. Let's start with the earlier one, Godzilla versus Hedera. You had not seen this before. I had not seen I had this not. before. Uh, did you know anything about this going in? I didn't, but once we got to the Godzilla flying scene, I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Because I, I definitely had seen that before, but I sure. didn't know what it was from. I did because I had had people tell me, oh, you should watch the one with the hippies. That's like the pollution, <laughs> like the anti-pollution hippie Godzilla. And yeah. I thought that that was heater up, but I wasn't sure until I, I kind of was looking at options and I saw it and I read a little bit about it. And I remember that so many people told me that if you are willing or interested to watch one of the sillier Godzilla movies, that that one is pretty good for that kind of Godzilla movie. And I got to say, like, 
I've said this before. We've said this before, and I don't know that it's always true, but sometimes it feels like Godzilla movies can kind of be sold based upon how good or bad the human stuff is, you know, like Mm -hmm. how does the human stuff work? Because a lot of times the monster stuff can be pretty strong. Uh, But if the human stuff is a total bummer, then maybe you don't really care about the kaiju fighting. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think we'll find out if we do more Godzilla movies, if that holds up. But I will say for this movie, it's a fun combo. I like Hedera as a monster, but I really yeah. liked seeing all this weird hippie shit. Like it is when I say guys that there's like hippie shit in this movie, it's very much a movie that is somehow both pro environment, but also unsure about the youth who are arguing for the it's like the youth are right about the environment, but they're wrong about everything else, right? Like <laughs> it really makes them look like crazy people. And I kind of love that. When 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 movies yeah. from this era have all this anxiety about young people, it it I kind of enjoy that as a topic. And this movie And further has, young people in Japan. Right, 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 right. So right, like right. the translation thereof, ah, chef's kiss. Yeah. That these folks at the go-go club are the same folks that would like organize a protest. It's like, oh yeah, probably, I guess, but maybe not. I don't know. Like that whole vibe. And there's like fun Japanese, like psychedelic music and, uh, and psychedelic visuals. Let's not forget. Exactly. And my favorite of that sort of aspect, uh, that if people haven't seen this, I, I definitely want to highlight these weird animated interludes. Where oh we get God, little yeah. goofy 70s animation, very much like of that cartoons. era. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sort of uh, fu- in a humorous way, highlighting what's going on with Hedera. So we should we should maybe explain a little bit. Josh, tell tell the folks a little bit about like this particular monster and how that works into this movie, uh, this Godzilla movie specifically. Um, well, let's first of all, Liam, before we get into this, I just want to touch base on what your concept of the Godzilla movies were going into this. Like, did you see a lot of these early ones or did you, is this like, I know you said you didn't see this one, but like my relationship with Godzilla is not that deep. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I've only seen them as like Saturday morning Kung Fu kind movies. You know what I mean? When I was a kid and then never went back to them until like now. So what is your what is your relationship with it? I've watched a little more than that. I've seen a few actually at exhumed events at the different. Oh yeah, times. because uh, Dan's a huge, yep, um, Godzilla man. Yeah, so I've seen now on film, uh, Mothra. I think they did. I think they did uh, Godzilla versus Mothra. I think they did Rodan one year. I'm kind of foggy on which ones I saw on film. I feel like those they are the ones that the, everyone's seen, right? Yeah, they did War of the Gargantuas which on film. Which yeah, I, I remember like. that. And I've seen uh, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, which is technically, it feels outside that, that, but it really was part of that sort of larger world because that script was originally going to be Frankenstein versus Godzilla, I think. Um, but they decided not to use Godzilla for, for whatever reason. Uh, and then um and then I've seen Destroy All Monsters. And then of the later era, I've really only seen Godzilla Final Wars and then like the legendary Johns. I uh-huh. might have I might have seen I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think I've back in the day I saw Godzilla two thousand. Oh yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah. But I don't know that I've seen Godzilla. There's a Godzilla from nineteen eighty six, I think, or 
82. I forget what she, no, I think it's 86. Uh, but basically there's a Godzilla that starts off this later era, the, the, uh, Hasai, I think it's like Hasai era. Uh, but it's Mm. like, there was this later era of, um, Godzilla movies and there's a first it's it sort of it almost functions like a reboot I think they retcon it later where uh, actually they retcon it in the movie we're talking about today that it's not uh-huh. a reboot that actually that's just a different Godzilla that there's the Godzilla of the 50s who died uh-huh. and then in the 80s this new Godzilla comes out but in that movie it's not clear if this is a, a reboot where it's like they're redoing it or if the 50s movie is still like in that canon you know what i mean so mm. anyways i've seen a few of those a lot of the early movies i haven't seen though i do have that criterion godzilla box set but i haven't gotten this chance to like dig into it yet so i've only seen a couple of those earlier movies that are on that box set and so yeah i was pretty excited to do this um partly because <coughs> i think for a lot of people they feel very aware of godzilla because he's so much a part of the culture but yeah. maybe haven't seen as many Godzilla movies. And then other people we know have seen every Godzilla all movie. All of them. Yeah, yeah all it's of true. them. Oh, also at the Harathon, they showed the the American version of Godzilla. For people who don't know, Godzilla, yes, was originally a Japanese movie, but they made a cut where they just cut in this American actor and like redid certain parts of it. And they showed that at Harathon. So I saw that. I don't even think it was the American. I think they took... If I'm right, they took the American. Yeah, okay. They showed it at It's, I forget what country it is, but a country did a version of the American Godzilla, and then they added what they called color, but it was really just like different weird colors on top of the black and white that didn't quite <laughs> like totally match. Someone who knows more about this will say, but they showed it at Harathon. So I saw that, and it was very strange, but I did enjoy it a good deal. Anyway, point is, I have liked the Godzilla I've seen. I definitely respect it as a cultural thing, but I'm no fucking expert. So yeah, I, I, I really had to read the description of this movie to even know that this was the toxic uh, waste Godzilla, uh, Godzilla movie. So right. uh, for people who don't know, basically, what you know, this movie, uh, there's a bunch of pollution. People are finding pollution yes. and then pollution creatures, little creatures. and the, Microbes. The, yeah. And these creatures start to evolve kind of like a frog. They're tadpoles and then they grow legs. Then they start coming on the land. And then eventually these creatures that they're calling hidora, which is like a, a word that's kind of similar to the Japanese word for sludge, right? Yeah. It's like an onomatopoeia for like sludge. Yeah. Um, they the, eventually it grows really large and can fly and can transform into different shapes. And so like, yeah, you, you get the idea that it's feeding on the smog and like, okay. So basically in Godzilla versus Hedera, um, a meteorite has landed on earth with a microbe on it that feeds on toxic waste. Right. And it spews sulfur and other toxins into the air as it's evolving as Liam said, through these different life stages that ends up being these gigantic kaiju that Godzilla has to fight. Right. Yes. And then there's a kid in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dude, it's a wild movie. It really is pretty crazy. And what again, I if you are someone who just I don't know how many people listening to this who love Godzilla wouldn't <coughs> have seen this already. But if for some reason you've skipped it, I like the kaiju fight. I thought the kaiju fighting was fun and creative. They really, by making this thing, it's not organic, y'all. Like, what makes it interesting as a creature is that it is made of various minerals and shit, right? So, like, in a real way, it's really hard for Godzilla to fucking hurt this thing, right? And this is an era where 
Godzilla is more of a hero, but he's still kind of an anti-hero. So like he fights this thing, but that doesn't mean in fighting this thing, he's not going to like cause damage. Right. So they're trying to work with Godzilla. They don't want to hurt Godzilla, but they are very like, yeah, but if Godzilla gets out of control, we might have to like shoot him too. Right. Like there's very much like a, Godzilla is a force that we don't necessarily want to destroy, but he is dangerous. So we have to be very careful. But he's also protectorate. Yeah, exa- exactly. So so there's like a weird, like he it's dangerous for this to be happening sort of thing. And they eventually figure out that they can hurt this thing with electricity. So there's also this like sci-fi aspect of like, how do we get the creature in between these electric panels? How do we get these electric panels set up so that they have enough electricity to hurt it? All this kind of stuff is going on. And Godzilla's like keeps stepping in, but he also, you know, a few times in this movie, he's getting his ass kicked a little bit because right. this thing is not easily hurt by him. There's also these interesting characters. There's the science character, the scientist character who's trying to figure stuff out. There's the kid and like these hippies who like want they're kind of torn on this whole thing because they like that this heater is bringing attention to all the toxic waste but also the heater is bad right because he's going to kill everybody so and they end up having this protest at mount fuji which doesn't feel like it was filmed at mount fuji at all right at all at At all. all um it's very funny that part of it uh and like we said they added a bunch of random shit that makes it more fun so to me if you already are in for a godzilla movie this extra shit, I hope, just adds a little bit more joy to that experience. And if you're someone who's not sure about Godzilla movies, who maybe thinks they can be a little bit boring, I think there's enough weird shit in this movie that maybe this is the one to jump on with. That if you are unsure if Godzilla is for you, classic Godzilla, that is, I feel like this one's pretty good. What do you think, Josh? Am I right about that? That yeah, there's enough no, other stuff one, going on? I mean, this one doesn't have like... Hidora is an amazing uh like kaiju right like super Just fun to watch fucking crazy and weird yeah but i mean it's not iconic in the same way that mothra is right it's not sure. iconic in the same sure. way that Ghidra is so this is more um for me with all the interludes and cuts this is more of a campy godzilla i think that's yeah fair. yeah that's that's safe to say uh i definitely think this is a fun godzilla it's like a ridiculously fun movie and it i will say one of the things i love about this era of godzilla they hit that theme so fucking hard. And every time they hit that theme, I'm stoked <coughs> as shit. Right? Yeah. Godzilla shows up. The the music starts. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Uh, and, and yes, it is. I mean, without a doubt, it's campy. But it's not. I mean, again, I haven't seen a ton of them. But a couple right. of the Godzilla movies I've seen, I remember feeling like they could be boring at times. Especially like the human interactions because two people in a rubber suit fighting for the most part, that's fun, right? It's hard for that to really be boring unless you shoot it really shitty, but the stuff in between the Kaiju fights is maybe hard depending on what it is. And I felt like even the The stuff, interstitial human stuff was really fun in this. It was so fun, right? And it's so ridiculous. The whole idea of them trying to get the electric set up. And there's this thing y'all where they, they just don't have enough power to run these electrical things. And then eventually Godzilla just shoots the panels with his nuclear breath. And that's how it zaps the creature. And the whole idea that like, there are multiple times where you think he's killed Hedera and then some element of Hedera escapes and starts again. Fucking great. 
And so he has good. to keep like smushing this thing. Like when he's like ripping through the creature, trying to find whatever the heart of it is to kill he it. Pulls out the eyeballs and all that. So good. So good. Uh, it's like genius. It's not like gore gore, but it is just gross enough to be fun. Like it's not so gross that you'll feel weird, but it is gross enough to be silly. You know, it's not like dead alive grossness, which is just like, no, ugh, not disgusting. At all, not at all. Not this at all. is like super funny. Like, Again, campy. It's like just gigantic dudes in suits fighting each other, tearing out eyeballs. What? Like, that's well, a thing. And one of the things it gets back to is the idea that there's a message to Godzilla movies, right? Between the right. first Godzilla, which does, I think, uh, without a doubt, deal with anxieties about nuclear weapons and militarism and war. And a lot of people have really thought of it as one of the more effective uh genre movies when it comes to acknowledging war and you know man's inhumanity man all that kind of thematic stuff a lot of the movies after that kind of put away the themes you know and i don't right. think that makes them bad movies at all uh but i could see someone who was sold on the original godzilla being very skeptical about the sequels because they don't have as much weight to them right and while yeah. this movie is still silly it at least gets back to the idea that there's a point here right yeah there's still some gravitas to like yeah. what you're looking at right like it, there's still some essence of reality there it made me think honestly of a lot of miyazaki or or studio ghibli movies like you know uh the the dna of this is in uh pompoko or yeah uh uh not Spirited Away, uh, Princess Mononoke, or any movie that deals with Nature. part of the reality of like yeah. humanity, which is that we tend to pollute or destroy, you know, nature around us, and it's like yeah. really difficult to imagine a world where we don't do that. That that just seems to be part of who we are. And this movie just unashamedly says we created this shit, and Godzilla's dealing with it, right? <laughs> but like, it's not Godzilla's problem. It's not like other movies. It's like there's these monsters and they don't like each other and we're just in the way. This is we created an issue. Sure, the alien thing made it worse. Right. But we created <laughs> the issue. And now Godzilla's cleaning up our bullshit. And lucky he's here, because if not, we'd all just expire. Right. This thing is like <clears throat> killing everything. Yeah. Unstoppable, dare I say planet level disaster that is like toxic to all life, not even just human life. And so like. Fuck, man. Like, luckily, Godzilla is a territorial asshole who's like, who the fuck is this? They got to get out of here, you know? Yeah, and that's get really out what my it Tokyo, is. son. Yeah. I mean, I do want to be clear. It's not, he does not have compassion for us, though it does seem like he has a weird relationship with that little kid, but it's not yeah. a huge part of the movie, luckily, because I think that would have made it a little too campy for me. But it is more like he just sees this monster and he's like, yo, fuck this. And he's just going yeah, for it. Dude, That's get the fuck off my territory. Son. I like that vibe. I like that vibe a good deal, but he's not, a, he's not a villain. He's not a monster in the way that some movies make it out to be. But yeah, man, I don't know. I, I it's very fun. I thought the effects were weirdly effective. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that they work to a good degree while still being that classic kind of campy Godzilla stuff. Um, the part where all the hippies are like, we're going to fight heater on. They just are throwing torches at it brilliant so stupid so that they thought that that would work it's so good like all that stuff i just think works so well it's just a joy to watch i just found it a very fun movie to watch that still was like you know interesting in its own way and you know we talked we've said this about other more serious movies a little depressing because like it's not like this movie is of an era but now of course we don't worry about pollution anymore uh yeah. we're worse off now than when they made this movie when they right? filmed this yeah in 71 yeah. 
we didn't have a fucking gar- uh, garbage island in the Pacific that was the size of a nation, but we do now, right? Like, <laughs> if Godzilla was real, he would have already killed us all because he'd be so pissed about garbage island in the Pacific, right? Like, fuck, man. Like, it's just crazy that we are watching this going, oh, how quaint. They think this is a problem that one day we might stop. Oops. <laughs> They're yeah. bad. Like, if Hedorah landed on Earth now, he would have killed Godzilla. Just saying. Yeah. He'd have so much pollution to feed off of that Godzilla wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Fucking nuts. Nor Fucking humanity nuts. would have a chance. <laughs> so, yeah. I, 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 I got to say, if you're someone who you saw we were doing Godzilla movies, you're kind of like, I don't know about that. Uh, but you listened anyway. I'd recommend starting here, honestly. Which I, really, you should start with the first one. Like that's really the classic. But yeah. if if you're worried about these more silly, fun Godzillas, this was really strong. I thought it was really strong. It really held me the whole time, and I liked it. And it really got me excited to watch more Godzilla movies, which I'm definitely going to do. You know. Okay. Side note: I watched this with my daughter Maeve, and she mostly enjoyed it she was a little skeptical of it you know uh it's not like her favorite thing to watch but she mostly enjoyed it so uh that's a thumbs up i think too right i gave it a thumbs up as well again my depth of knowledge of godzilla from this era is not that deep but as a movie as a standalone just to watch i loved it i had a great time with this one and it's super fun plus asian kids what are you gonna do not like that that shit's dope yeah i agree i mean i also think that like if someone's worried about like continuity I think Godzilla movies are not a, con- you know what I mean? Like, and I don't yeah. even, I don't even know that. And again, other experts will let us know because they've watched more of these. I don't know that continuity is already always a good thing. I think a one-off Godzilla movie could be just as good as one that's connected to other Godzilla movies. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just because there's a through line doesn't make it good. So yeah, check this Which one actually out. actually leads us to Godzilla versus Destroyer. Sure, 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 sure. Let's let's Which go there. Which does next. have a continuity line in there, in that the birth island mythos is in there. Yep. Which 100%. is like an island in the Pacific that houses Godzilla and baby Godzilla, right? Like Godzilla Kid. Now, in this movie, I will say uh Godzilla Jr., which they actually do at times call him Little Godzilla or Godzilla Jr., is more grown up. He's actually like an actual Godzilla and not like a weird little jumping thing like he is in some of those other movies from the from the earlier era yeah. uh but he, it is his ki- it is his kid whereas this godzilla like the adult godzilla so uh, let's back this up this is in the i don't remember what year what year is this movie from josh do you have it um i believe it's a 1980s movie nine no 95 holy shit so 95 so the series gets like restarted in 86 or so they do a lot of these movies, a bunch, uh, at, but this movie was kind of the 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 ending of this era, partly because they thought once the American movies came out that those movies would like take off Eclipse. and they were going to do like yeah. a, a trilogy of them, which did not happen because nobody likes that American Godzilla, um, the the nineties one, not the later one. Um, so, uh, but this was sort of like the end of this era. So they did a lot of these movies. There's like, uh, Godzilla versus, you know, uh, King Ghidorah. There's, there's, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. Check it out. Uh, and there, they were more updated. They used a little bit of computer stuff, but mostly it was still, uh, rubber suits just with a little bit more effects going on. Uh, and this movie it's, you know, Godzilla's a known factor at this point, and he is not a hero really. Even when he's fighting some other monster, people are bummed on Godzilla. And right. the big sort of inciting thing of this movie is that Godzilla, who's 
if you don't know, is powered to some extent by nuclear energy. That's how he became Godzilla was because of uh, the the H bomb, right? Yeah, he's going critical. He's he's gonna yeah. he's gonna melt down, and so he's all red. He's covered in all this crazy shit. He looks insane. The first time you see him coming out of the water, he's glowing red. Yeah, and so he's the, gonna the, everybody's upset. And when he melts down, it's gonna be a a world ending event. It's not the end of Godzilla. It's the ending of everybody else. So they're kind of focused on that for a bit. So it takes them a while to notice there's this other fucking thing. And basically what this movie does, I thought that was interesting is that it is directly connected to the original movie. So yeah. Uh, for people who haven't seen that first movie, uh, this isn't really a spoiler because I think you would know it at this point. But basically, a scientist invents a, uh, invents a bomb that's like this anti-oxygen bomb, right? Yeah, it's called the oxygen destroyer. Yeah, and so it's going to destroy all the oxygen and thus in the water, thus killing not just the animals in the water, but Godzilla. So what happens in the movie is the guy who invents this thing realizes the technology is so fucked that he can't let anyone have it. He's going to blow it up himself to take out Godzilla and also kill himself so that there won't be any furtherance of this evil technology again referencing nuclear weapons right there's a direct sort of connection there this movie has someone who has also figured out that technology and is like digging up the remnants of where that bomb went off in order to understand that technology more and what he does is find these microscopic creatures who were affected by that technology and then mutate the way that nuclear weapons mutated godzilla it's like literally like, hey, you know the thing that destroyed that first Godzilla? It also was bad. And now there's monsters fueled by that. And if you're wondering why they would call it destroy ya the way they do, it's li- it's literally because they figured out that calling it destroyer, they didn't want to call it oxygen destroyer because that felt too long. And just saying destroyer was just like going to be confusing for English speakers because it's just too straightforward so they just made it destroy ya with an ah i don't know that that's better but that was the thinking at the time that like oh americans aren't going to get it if we just call it destroyer that's a little too obvious which i it's i know it's weird guys but that's just what it is uh and so at first it's these little like they kind of look like weird crab insect creatures you know and they walk around on all these legs and they're you know they're they're bigger than life you know like they're large but they're not like kaiju really and then eventually they mutate into one giant monster that fights soon to be exploding godzilla and also you know godzilla jr you know and it becomes a (laughs) whole sort of thing josh what did you think that so that's the plot basically what did you think of this movie i I get the feeling that maybe you you were not as stoked on this one as you were on godzilla versus hedera i mean again it's all new to me right so like watching this one because like um, again, my history with Godzilla is very limited in that I've seen the American ones. I've seen some of like the touchstone ones from the early era, but this whole nineties era of Godzilla, I had no concept, nothing. So this is my first one of that. And, um, uh, I enjoyed this one. This one was super fun. Thank you. I love it too. And I love how it's so ridiculous. Well, and uh, Just, some of the, some of the human stuff, it felt like. I know this is a Japanese movie, so I'm not saying this culturally, but it felt a bit like a Hong Kong movie at times, right? Like it did. Just like it the very vibe. much did. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when it's they're, a very they're, kinetic movie, wouldn't you say? It's very uh-huh. like fast paced. Well, they're in they're, those, in they're the definitely manner. trying to borrow from aliens in this movie, right? Because a the uh, police, the, the geared up police officers going into this factory trying to fight these monsters. Yeah. They have the same guns that uh, that 
what's her name has in yeah. aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically failing, by the way. And then this thing also has the extendo mouth like the alien does. And it's like pretty ah. clearly like a like a like a send up to that. Um, but it's also fun. Like those little monsters are fun. And honestly, they could have spent more time with the little versions of Destroyer before they got to the big Destroyer, and that would have been okay. It's okay that they don't, but it's one of those places where I do wonder if there were limitations on the budget, right? There's a couple of scenes, famously, there's a couple of scenes in this movie where they were supposed to replace effects with more like, uh, yeah, well, they were going to film like more advanced things, and instead the, the things they use in it are the toys. They had the Bandai toys of the things, and in the movie are the toys. Incredible. And yeah. that wasn't supposed to be the last shot. They just needed something to establish what it was going to look what like, and then happen. they were going to use yeah. more you know, realistic-looking effects, and they couldn't. They didn't have the money. So that's a bummer. That's a real bummer on that. Yeah. And yet, even with those messy <coughs> parts, you know, those messy effect shots and some of the stuff being really like not super effective, uh, for example, early on in the movie – Godzilla when Godzilla shows up there's a couple parts where he's attacking the city and the shots the city shots that they sort of put him behind people are just hanging out and not noticing that fucking Godzilla is there like they're not (laughs) running and screaming the way they should be again they just didn't have the money to get new footage right so still I found this really fun it was really fun and effective again I also watched this with Maeve she was less excited about this one, but she still was into it. You know, we watched still the vested, thing. huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think she saw this more as I'm putting up with something for dad because we watched it and uh when we were kind of just trying to chill out, you know, it was like a day where yeah. we were trying to like relax. And I think she was just like, Okay, dad, I'll watch this with you. But um I feel I'm like really... this one was less on the pointed subtext than Godzilla versus Hydra. Am I correct in that? Oh, 100%. This was an era yeah. that was like, let's focus on the thrill of Godzilla and not worry about messaging. At least that's the vibe I get from the ones I've seen. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's true of all of them. Maybe some of them have some sort of like underlying idea. But this is very much like, let's make this fucking exciting. Like Godzilla is not a good guy. He's sympathetic. But he's not a hero, right? No. He also represents a danger because he's going to fucking blow up and murder all of us, right? So, like, they're trying to destroy him with these. In the movie, y'all, they come up with these uh, freeze <laughs> weapons. They have these, like, a- anti Yeah, trying weapons. to cool him down. Yeah. yeah, so they have a freeze ray, and they have bombs that are supposed to blow up and be cooling when they blow up and all this shit. And they're using it on him and on Destroya. Uh, and side note. I was hyping up the little creatures that Destroyer is before he becomes big. I also love the design of the big Destroyer. He is one of the weirder looking kaiju yeah. in the history of Godzilla. And I fucking Just love that it. mouth. Yeah, it's so it's fucking so cool fucking looking. Weird. And he yeah. looks kind of insect-like, but he also has furry bits. And combining huh. fur and insect shit is like really Ugh. fucked to me, and I really like it. Yeah, agreed. It, the final creature design for Destroy is awesome. It's really my great. only joke. The only joke I think I texted it to you, Liv, was like, uh, "Please, Oxygen Destroyer is my father's name. Call uh-huh. me Destroy." Uh-huh. That's all I could think of while I was watching Destroy on the screen. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, like this symmetry of being like, "Oh, even the weapon we created to fight Godzilla also hurt the planet in such a way that now we have to deal with the ramifications of it." Right? Because that's what yeah. Godzilla is. Godzilla is the ghost of this bomb that we blew up is now returned to destroy everything in a way. There's other ideas. There's other metaphors. Other that's, subtext. That's yeah, part of that's, that's a part big of whatever. One, yeah. So to have the monster that he's fighting be the ramifications of the 
you know, the, the weapon best. that killed the original Godzilla. And now he's going to explode and destroy everything, too. And then his kid, who we find way more sympathetic, he's almost like the nice Godzilla. He gets fucked up, too. Like, this whole movie, by the way, is really based off the idea of what if Godzilla does not win? Like, what if we really make a movie where Godzilla just gets fucked up? And, like, <laughs> they do it, man. They, like, really own that. And I was really surprised that the... The kind of darkness of this movie where they're just like, yeah, yeah he's not he's not going to do OK, guys. Like, this is going to be a real bummer. And I was into it. I thought it really worked, especially considering this was the end of this era of these kinds of Godzilla movies. And they thought they were going to move forward with a whole other thing. And they eventually do new Godzilla movies in the 2000s, you know, uh, which yeah. I think if we do this again, I'd love to include even some Revisit of those 2000s those. movies. Yeah, because yeah. I've only seen Godzilla Final Wars, which is like good and bad the Godzilla uh -huh. final wars the Godzilla fights I think are fun in between the Godzilla fights they have these um uh altered superhuman mutants that kung fu fight each other like it's very much like have y'all seen the matrix let's do that <laughs> and right. uh and it's very fucking weird it's weird that part is weird but I it's weird enough that I ended up finding it funny instead of stupid uh, but yeah, it's, I think there are other Godzilla movies from this, from that later era that'd be worth checking out as well. Uh, but you know, what inspired this, I think was watching Godzilla minus one, which we both felt like really did some new, exciting things comparing Godzilla minus one now to these two movies. What do you think about the differences and the similarities between them? I think that Godzilla minus one leans heavily into the subtext a lot more than these two did. Well, at least a lot more than Godzilla versus destroyer. But um, it manages to beautifully meld the messaging of Godzilla versus Hidora with the messaging or with the, just the fun of Godzilla versus Destroya into one movie. Right. And Godzilla in, in Godzilla versus Destroya, he is menacing. He's not, yeah. in this case, the worst case scenario, but they're not they're not into it. They have a whole, you know, area of the government that is monitoring him. They're just they're just monitoring Godzilla, trying to figure out what the fuck to do when he comes out. And the only reason they haven't tried to destroy him is I get the feeling because they've tried in the past and it hasn't worked out for them. So they're trying right. they, they're just kind of like they're trained to fight him if they have to, but they're not going to just hunt him down per se. And I kind of like that compared to Godzilla minus 1, which also he's not the hero, right? He is the no, villain and he's I, just a thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I I appreciate that aspect with. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but because he is fighting this other creature, there's a little bit of that magic from Godzilla versus Hedera where you are, you, you can't help but pull Godzilla. for him a little more, even though you yeah. know, fuck, if he blows up at any moment, he's going to destroy the whole goddamn planet. It's still kind of cool to see him fighting this other thing. And and really, yeah. you can't help but root, or maybe some people just hate Godzilla Jr., but I was kind of rooting for Godzilla Jr., honestly. I was here for him. I was like, go ahead, Godzilla, young buck. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I still think that Godzilla minus one is the crowning achievement of the Godzilla oeuvre. I still think that's the greatest one, not counting the first one, of course. And uh, I mean, I know that for this is probably true for us because we're not deep Godzilla heads. I've seen a lot of people I know who are real ex-haters that didn't like it, man. They didn't like it. They Whoa. felt like there were real problems with it. I don't want to get it. We've already talked about a lot of the problems, so I'm not going to spend time on that, especially because... When I spend too much time highlighting the complaints of other people, it comes across like those are my complaints. I really just want to respect the perspectives of people that I respect. 
But I'm not um, going to pretend that I didn't fucking enjoy the movie. And yeah. I didn't go to the theater to see it in black and white. But when the black and white version shows up on our on our thing, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. definitely going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to rewatch it. And yeah. I'm probably going to have fun with watch it. it. You know That's what crazy. I mean? Yeah, it's a good time. So I don't want to lift up those complaints in a way that makes it seem like they're my complaints. But I get it that like if you have more of a love maybe for this era of Godzilla uh, or even one of the other eras, I wonder if there's something about Godzilla minus one that maybe rubs you the wrong way. But I do know people who love Godzilla, like are in love with Godzilla, who also liked Godzilla minus one. So I think it's a it's a hit or miss thing. I think for some people it really worked, for some people it didn't. So, you yeah. know, it is what it is. To me, it worked. It's a lot of fun. But I do think, even though I might find that these other movies are not as good, it does make me excited to watch more Godzilla movies. I want to get into more yeah. Godzilla movies, Josh. I'm, like, excited Same. about it. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. I'm, I'm down to figure it out. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. down to see the all eras. Because it's fun, man. That's yeah. the thing. I love it. It's yeah. super fun. I agree. Well, I don't know that there's more to say about Destroyer other than you know, it, it really is a more modern version of the rubber suit thing. And there are some negatives to that. There are a couple of digital effects in the movie that probably didn't need to be there. Yeah, uh, it don't or, quite work. Or if they did need to be there, they could have done them a little differently. <clears throat> and as I said, some of the practical effects are not as good as in other Godzilla movies because they weren't funded really the way they needed to be to finish off the effects well. But still, it's so fun. I don't give a fuck, right? Like, yeah. I just had fun with it the whole time. And partly that's like you. Even if I haven't sat down as an adult and watched every Godzilla movie, I've watched parts of lots of Godzilla movies when I was a kid because they would play them on UHF or on yeah. later on cable. And so, like, I just enjoy that. And while I, I, I am fully expecting as we continue our Godzilla journey later on, there are going to be movies that we don't like. That's just life. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. It's 75 years of Godzilla movies. Not all of them are going to be good, right? But I'm expecting some of them to be fucking awesome, and I'm really excited. Yeah, agreed. I'm excited to discover which ones resonate. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I will say, if you are out there and you're thinking how to get involved, don't just Google list of Godzilla movies, because I thought about doing that because... Uh, a guy I'm, you know, kind of friends with, more like internet friends with, though I've met him in real life, Scott Weinberg. He did a list a long time ago, and it was very uh, interesting list, I thought, but I hadn't seen enough movies to judge it. So then I went to check it out when I was trying to decide uh, about Godzilla movies for us, Josh. Yeah. And now, because of Godzilla Minus One and the legendary Godzilla movies, there's a million lists of, we ranked all the Godzilla movies. <laughs> and it really feels like there's no guiding light because everyone's list is a little bit different and feels a little bit like maybe they're new to this too. And I just feel like if you are putting Godzilla minus one more in the middle of your list, then I don't know that I trust <laughs> your take. I don't know. Maybe I'm being jerky about that, whatever. But I just found that the, all the lists, it almost feels like they were just trying to be different from each other, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think that's helpful. I think you really just need to decide for yourself where to start and then just jump in and don't give up. If you if you hit one that's shitty, don't give up because you'll probably hit one that's pretty good. And even the bad ones, I think, are pretty fun. So who knows? I mean, it's Godzilla, man. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, I guess that's it for us, man. Thank Hey, hey y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hearing us 
geek out about Godzilla. And hopefully, you know, if you have a favorite Godzilla movie that you think we need to check out, hit us up. We got we got the Let socials. Let us know. Let us yeah, know. We're Email out there. us. Get on the Discord. Hit us up on the Discord. Let's do a Godzilla discussion. <laughs> As always, rate, review, and subscribe because it helps podcasters like ourselves get out there. And uh, also just tell a friend, man, you know, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to today, let somebody know. Maybe they'll listen. We can, you know, all talk together one day. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all. We'll talk to you soon. Adios. Smokebot. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. Ah!